This is the J. Scott Outdoors podcast on Western big game hunting and fishing brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today. I'm your host, Jay Scott, and I live and breathe hunting and fishing, spending half the year in the field experiencing God's creation. I hope you'll enjoy hearing about our adventures. Big sheep. Let's do this. We'll find a winner. Got the whole list here. All I have to do is shuffle three times. Shuffle once, shuffle twice, here it is. There's our guy. Call number one. Hello. Hi, is Richard available? This Richard. Hi, Richard. This is Lorenzo with GoHunt.com. Do you know why I'm calling you today? I can only hope. <laughs> what are you hoping for? I'm hoping for a doll sheep hunt. Looks like you're going to the Honey Butte Outfitters on a doll sheep hunt. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Not kidding you at all, buddy. Can you put off with the work and family? You would be leaving in literally 30 days. I am there, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, man, you are. I've been sitting here looking at my phone thinking, oh, man, somebody took it. <laughs> huh. no, no way. Yes way. How about that, guys? Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. What you just heard was a guy that's a GoHunt.com insider member receiving a free hunt for $22,500 to hunt doll sheep with Nahani Butte Outfitters. This hunt was provided by GoHunt.com Insider, and this is just one example of many hunts that you can win being a GoHunt Insider member. Um, What an opportunity to get a phone call that you're going doll sheep hunting. Um, I just wanted you guys to hear the excitement in Richard's voice, uh, who was just waiting by the phone, hoping that he was the one that was going to get picked. And what an opportunity. I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider for being uh, a sponsor of this podcast. I also want to announce that GoHunt.com Insider has re-upped and are going to be the sponsor for a long time to come here at the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. They are my title sponsor. And I want to thank them for being such a strong company and providing such a good service. Uh, there's four basic reasons why I believe GoHunt.com Insider is necessary for the Western hunter. You get complete state coverage. So all of the Western states, you get complete state coverage. You get exclusive strategy articles on how to apply for each state. You get detailed species breakdowns of all the Western big game species And then not to mention, number four, the monthly insider giveaways. Every month they're giving away different products, different gear, different hunts. This month they are doing four weeks of four tags. Uh, They gave away an antelope hunt already. They're giving away uh, elk hunt this week. 
and the next two weeks of July, they're giving away two additional hunts that they haven't announced yet, but I'm excited to see what they are. Uh, I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider for their sponsorship. Uh, I also want to uh, tell you one thing that I use uh, a lot in inside the GoHunt Insider, and that is the historical precipitation model. Um, I'm going to talk to you specifically about Unit 9. I will be guiding a hunter in Unit 9 in Arizona this September. And when looking at a drawing or looking at places that I want to guide or that, that I want to draw my own personal tags, I think looking at precipitation is very important. And in the historical precipitation model, uh, they have Unit 9 here, and they have actually 2011 through 2015 listed. So if you start back in January and you take the 2015 precipitation amount was 1.22 inches in January, you compare that to 14 at 0 0.07, 13 at 1.02, 2012 at 24, 0.24, and 2011 at 0.02 dropped down to February. This February in 2015, we received 1.06 inches in Unit 9 compared to 14 of 0.19, 13 of 0.18, 12 at 0.34, and 2011, 0.109. You drop down to March, 0.87 in, in 15, in 14.34, in 13.24, in 12.89, in 11.47. The, the three critical months here that I think are very important are April, May, and June. Um, we've already established that January, February, and March was wetter than normal. Uh, in April of 15, it was 0.56. In 2014, it was 0.32. In 2013, it was 0.09. 2012, 0.36. 2011 point or 1.09 so actually it was a half inch more in in 11 but then look at these two big months may 2.3 in 2.32 inches in 2015 compared to 0.03 in 14 0.10 in 13 0.00 in 12 and 0.38 in 11 then you take the month of june may and june typically are arizona's driest months 1.52 inches this year in 2015 in Unit 9 compared to 14 of 0.02, 13 of 0.00, 12 of 0.00, and 11 of 0.00. So what that tells me going into the rut is that the uh, throughout this summer, the moisture has been up way above average and that there should be plenty of grass to go around and the, the cow elk should be feeling fat and sassy. They should cycle on time and we should have a real extreme rut. So that's just one of the ways that I use the Go Hunt Insider. Um, they've got an awesome mapping. Uh, they've got a, a lot of different filter systems that you can go through each animal and each unit to decide where you want to apply. I want to thank GoHunt.com Insider for stepping up and uh, re-upping their sponsorship of the J. Scott Outdoors Western Big Game Hunting and Fishing Podcast. Uh, with that sponsorship, uh, they are going above and beyond here. They are, we are announcing that uh, if you join Insider, you are going to get a $50 gift card in Kuyu gear. So... What, another one of my favorite companies, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting, uh, Jason Harrison's company, 
uh, is going to provide a $50 gift card uh, of the Kuyu gear. So all you have to do, three easy steps to get the $50 Kuyu gift card. You visit gohunt.com forward slash insider. Click on the blue join now button. Use the promo code JSCOTT at checkout. And that will get you the $50 Kuyu gift card. And you will also be a GoHunt.com Insider member. And you will be eligible for the gear and hunt giveaways that they're doing each month. In July, they're actually giving away four different hunts in July. In April, when I signed up for Insider, or excuse me, March, um, I received, I was actually one out of 100 that won a free phone scope uh, digiscoping device. So I've already won something uh, signing up for the Go Hunt Insider membership. So I want to thank Go Hunt Insider for their sponsorship. Uh, I also want to thank uh, Deadeye Outfitters uh, for their sponsorship. Uh, Deadeye Outfitters is a lifestyle apparel for hunters and by hunters. Deadeye Outfitters focuses or manufactures and focuses on quality t-shirts, sweatshirts, and hats designed with hunters in mind. They are also the licensed Boone and Crockett apparel. Uh, they, they have the license for all the Boone and Crockett apparel. Uh, help support Boone and Crockett because where hunting happens, conservation happens. Also remember that when checking out with Deadeye Outfitters uh, on all your purchases, Enter the J. Scott promo code and receive a 10% discount on all purchases. Guys, I also want to tell you about uh, some, some hunts, uh, guided hunts, uh, that uh, my partner and I, Dark Colburn, are doing. Uh, we own and operate GouldsTurkeyHunt.com, and we do Goulds Turkey Hunts uh, in Mexico for people that are trying to complete their Royal Slams. So you have the Eastern, the Osceola, the Rio, the Merriam, and then number five is the Gould's Turkey. And we've been going down there for many, many years, and we've been very successful with, all, with our Gould's Turkey hunts. We had a, a few cancellations, and I want to make you guys aware of these. Uh, our Gould's Turkey hunts, uh, I have a slot for two hunters. Uh, I can actually accommodate up to four. You will be going with myself personally. I will be guiding you on the hunt. I typically like to take two hunters at a time, but you have, if you have a group of four, I can accommodate that. Those are for the dates May 11th through the 14th in Sonora, Mexico. Uh, uh, now, we have several groups going with Dar Colburn. We have some availability from April 29th to May 2nd. We have one spot. You'll be paired up with another hunter. Dar will be taking two hunters at one time. Uh, and then May 2nd through the 5th, there are two slots available. Uh, so grab a buddy, uh, come down, and uh, go Gould's turkey hunting with us in Mexico. If you want more information, you can email me at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. You can also visit our website, Gould's, that's G. O-U-L-D-S turkeyhunt.com You can also go on our Facebook page Gould's Turkey Hunt uh, on Facebook. Um, I want to thank you guys, our listeners, for all your support. 
with the podcast. You guys have been amazing. I want to thank you for uh, giving us five-star ratings on iTunes and giving us some great positive comments. If you haven't and you enjoy the podcast, please go on iTunes and give us good ratings and good comments. Please keep the questions and, and, and comments uh, to my email coming at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. I appreciate hearing from all of you guys every day. Uh, there's not a day that goes by that I don't get uh, text messages, voicemails, uh, emails, Facebook messages, Instagram. Uh, thank you for all the support. Uh, if you don't follow us on Instagram, it's at jscottoutdoors. I think today we just passed 8,000 followers, which is mind-blowing. Uh, and my associate, Dar, D-A-R-R-C-O-L-B-U-R-N, at Dar Colburn on Instagram. Also, our Facebook page at jscottoutdoors. Our YouTube channel, jscottoutdoors. Um, our, uh, our mother site, jscottoutdoors.com. Uh, Guys, thanks for all your support. I can't wait to share this uh, uh, field judging elk part one of part two series. Uh, Guest Craig Steele with Exclusive Pursuits Outfitters and OregHunt.com is going to be with me on both of these uh, part one and part two on field judging elk. Uh, If you have any questions, please feel free to email me after listening to the episode. I'm happy to cover them uh, in a future episode. And I just thank you for all of your support. And uh, guys, support the sponsors that uh, make this podcast uh, uh, happen. That's GoHunt.com, Insider, and Deadeye Outfitters. All right, guys, let's get right to the episode. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we are going to talk about field judging elk. And to discuss field judging elk, I've got... uh, Craig Steele of Exclusive Pursuits Outfitters, who's a friend of the podcast and a friend of mine, and I'm excited to have him on to uh, give his bits and pieces uh, here on the Field Judging Elk episodes. Craig, how you doing today? I'm doing good, Jay. How you doing, man? Good. What uh, What are you doing today, and how is it in Kingman, Arizona? Um, I am right now watching it rain cloudy july 4th um got up about five this morning did a couple blog posts put out an ad on facebook and uh now i'm talking to you so it's it's going good to later today i'll be hanging out um at the pool my in-laws pool with my wife and kids so can't complain man awesome awesome yeah uh being uh fourth of july you know i think uh Speaking off the cuff a little bit, there's a lot of things been going on politically with the, with the, our country, and uh, you know, I'll be quite honest, a lot of things that I don't quite see eye to eye with. But you know, being Fourth of July and Independence Day and celebrating our independence from Britain uh, and our attempt to make a new start at things that we didn't like and didn't approve of. Uh, at the time, you know, kind of brings it back full circle. And and I think with all the stuff going on uh, politically, we don't have to agree with everything. Um, but we have to remember that we are the United States of America and that there have been people over the course of history that have, you know, sacrificed 
for us to have a great country like we do have. And, you know, over the course of the last 40, 50 years, there's been a lot of things politically that people don't agree with and I don't agree with and what have you, but we keep rolling on. I think think we have to remember that. And, um, you know, I'm in Colorado and we, we celebrated uh, July 4th, actually the town of Avon over in the Vale Valley um, does a big fireworks show. And, um, you know, it seems like it doesn't matter where you're at, but um, anytime you see fireworks, for me, I automatically think of 4th of July. I automatically think of, you know, how proud I am of my country. And, and I think it's important to remember that you don't have to agree with every little thing that goes on. Um, and I love the 4th of July. Um, typically, I'm fishing somewhere, and the last oh, six, seven years, it's been here in Colorado, and, and um, so it's just a good time of year. Um, the monsoons are starting to kick up in Arizona. You're, you're saying it's raining this morning, Craig? Yeah, it's raining. It's overcast, which sometimes isn't a good thing during the monsoon because it doesn't, heat doesn't build up and allow those giant storms ago but yesterday i went down to phoenix for a funeral and um there was a pretty good storm in wickenburg and i looked at the radar last night and a lot of the elk country was getting rain um it's it's definitely an early start and uh it's it's looking like it's going to be a fun year man yeah you know um having great monsoon moisture in arizona for those of you that don't live in arid climates in some of the western states that aren't aren't as dry as Arizona, you know, Craig and I lick our chops because uh, on a wet year because the rut uh, will be great. We've already had good spring moisture, so it's looking like our antlers are going to be phenomenal. Um, but to me, being an elk caller and and liking you know like to stir it up with those bulls, uh, there's nothing like having a wet monsoon where the cows are real fleshy and and feeling good and 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 you know the elk just bugle their guts out um you're thinking it's probably going to be one of those years don't you yeah it, it definitely is for people that don't don't really pay attention to that stuff that you know what dictates the rut is actually the the cows and how they cycle and the uh, there are studies out there that you can find if you just research them that you know whether it be white-tailed deer or whatever type of deer species the the fatter and healthier those those females are uh, the more and more consistent they cycle um, and uh, as a percentage and I know some years on on poor drought years like 2002 was one that was probably the worst drought year in our history um, some biologists were saying only 15 to 20 percent of the cow elk actually cycled so it makes a huge difference and I know a lot of people don't fathom that or, or don't really think about that stuff um, but it, it makes a huge difference and, and partly because those those cows are, are nursing calves and you know they're basically providing for two and it's just like a female um, within the human species if they're not healthy um, um, they, they, they won't have their uh, monthly cycle either so um, it's it's just nature so yeah more feeds better more rain makes yeah. more feed absolutely and speaking of 2002 i remember i was actually in unit one uh in 2002 and my thought i 
Uh, my thought with that was knowing that it was going to be an extreme drought year, I thought, hey, I'll go try unit one. Um, it's a little higher, you know, alpine type country. And um, Jug Jenkins, a friend of mine from Oregon, um, drew the tag and, and it was a real interesting year. The, the bugling was, you know, sporadic, uh, good on some days and kind of weak on others. You know, I, I think nine and 10 probably were a complete bust um, as far as bugling, but we had decent action in unit one. And this thing that I, one of the things that I remember specifically about that hunt in 2002 was um, Doug and I actually were trolling the fence there on the White Mountain Apache. We were on obviously the unit one side and, and uh, we were walking along this fence and, and, um, you know, as it is, the places you can't go, you know, you just want to get as close to them as you can. So we're literally walking right down the fence. And we hear a bull bugle off as far as you could hear an elk bugle away. I mean, as far off as you could hear one. And, you know, Doug looks over at me and says, well, call that one in. And I kind of laughed like, yeah, that bull can't even hear me. So I stood at the fence and gave a couple you know, cow calls, and he actually answered. And Doug's like, he heard you. I said, there's no way he heard me. He's like, he heard you. He just answered. I said, oh, he just is bugling on his own. So we sat there a little bit, and I went into another series of pretty loud cow calls, and the bull answered, and he actually sounded like he was facing us. And Doug looked at me, and he says, he's coming. I said, he's not coming. That thing's three-quarters of a mile away. And he says, he's coming. So... I said, well, let's find a little spot here and let's, you know, let's kind of make a plan. And I actually backed up like 50 yards and Doug has literally set up maybe five yards, well, 10 yards off the fence line. And I said, Doug, do not shoot that bull unless he jumps over on our side. And he says, yeah, I know. So I back up and in probably a matter of five minutes, um, I'm back and forth with the bull and just giving them enough, you know, letting them bugle a couple times, kind of like I'm not coming to you and, and letting him bugle and, and making him want it. And that bull comes all the way. He comes right up to the fence. I'll never forget. I'm, I'm watching this all unfold. And there was one spot where I said, Doug, I think he might jump right here because it was kind of a low spot in the fence. And he got to that spot in the fence and he actually had his head over the fence and was looking looking back both ways and I just stayed quiet and he's looking and then he kind of backed up so I kind of gave a cow call behind me and he turned his head real fast he jumped the fence and when his feet got on our side of the fence and maybe took one or two steps uh, Doug shot him and um, that was the bully harvested so 2002 uh, that was just a real unique experience where the bull came off of the White Mountain Apache Indian Reservation, uh, jumped onto our side in Unit 1, and Doug, Doug harvested them. It's a pretty cool story. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Doug always likes to tell his buddies that, he, that he's got a White Mountain Apache bull. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. I know I was in uh I was in seven west that or I think it was might have been just seven at the time, but I was hunting with a family friend who isn't necessarily a 
really an archers before I was guiding. And, and I just remember that it was horrible. Um, I, antler growth was horrible meaning meaning bugling and antler growth bugling and antler growth was just horrible i mean it was i I only think i think the monsoon showed up uh two weeks before the hunt and of course everything had water um and and you know to 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 be honest with you i i wasn't near the um i didn't have the elk hunting experience that i have today um and uh you know if i did uh, i would have been glassing a lot more um, and I think would have been a lot more effective, but, uh, you know, you, you grow as a hunter and, um, I was out trying to set tanks and, and call in bulls and, and they weren't really rutting, um, uh, very hard. You know, what rutting was going on was, uh, very quiet, um, and, and very, uh, you know, I call it code talking, you know, they, they were not, there was not a bugle fest most of the time. You know, you bring up a good point there of, of learning as you go. And, and I'm at the, the point where I feel like every year in the elk woods, I learn something new. And, and you know, I can look back to 2002 and, and I don't know about you, but I mean, I feel like I'm a better elk hunter now than I was then. And it'll be interesting to see throughout my life as I, as I continue to, you know, take the month of September off and chase bulls and and you know hunt hunt elk um if they're there probably will become a point where i actually become a worse hunter um i feel like right now every year i get better because i'm learning more um maybe i was could go further when i was 20 years old or 25 years old as i can when i'm 42 years old and maybe that will be somewhat of a point where my elk hunting skills diminish and maybe I don't, I'm, I'm not as good as I am now. Um, you know, it, it, I may be mentally tougher and I may know more about how to hunt elk, but maybe physically I'm not going to be able to go as hard as I, as hard as I used to. What are your thoughts on getting better each year, Craig? Uh, absolutely. When I was 17, I thought I knew everything when I was 25. I thought I knew everything, but what I found out is every year in, and what has helped me guiding has helped me a ton. Um, I think some of the best hunters in the world are guides, um, all throughout the world. Um, I think there's, uh, not that I know there's a lot of local guys that are great, great hunters as well. Um, but, uh, really, you know, taking in every bit of information that I possibly can and processing it, whether it be, you know, listening to a story from somebody that may not be as experienced as you, but they tell a story and, and pulling out the facts. I'm really into pulling out the facts. I think in, you, you, you hear so many myths and so many things that you're like, uh, is it, is that because they read an article? Is that because they watched this show and it, it told them, that 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 scent lock suit was going to work um or or was the wind actually uh you know at that time you know thermals taking their scent a different direction or down that coulee or or whatever else there's there's so much you learn and and i think uh you can never learn enough um it's funny the the older uh the older i get the more i realize the less i knew um and the more i realized how many good hunters are out there that I can learn from, um, whether, whether I tell them that or not, um, or whether 
Um, it's somebody that maybe isn't as skilled as what I believe I am, but you can learn so much. It's so much quicker now, too, um, with the way the web is. I mean, there is no doubt learning. Um, you, you can, I mean, you used to have to wait for a, a quarterly magazine, you know, or, or, you know, watch what television show was on. Now you just Google it or YouTube it. Um, you know, it's just like field judging what we're going to talk about here in a minute. I mean, now you just go to J Scott outdoors and, and look at the field judging articles. Um, and, and I think, you know, pride as you get older, um, uh, because I've heard it, I've heard people, you know, uh, make comments towards me or about me, um, and, and say, I'm not, not the hunter that, that I think I am. And that's fine. Um, I think the older you get, and, and I'm going to use those as learning experiences. So hopefully when I'm, you know, 55, 65, 70 years old, that I don't have that animosity. Um, and that, uh, I realize that, you know, I had my day, I had my time and, you know, hunting is always evolving and changing and, and, you know, it, um, when, when you become bitter about that stuff, um, and think that, you know, everything, that's probably the time that, that you step down and, and let somebody else go with it. So, yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, we're going to talk about field judging elk today in this episode, and we're probably not going to be able to cover all of the intricate details of field judging elk, but um, if you do go to jscottoutdoors.com, you go to my website, um, on the right-hand side, if you scroll down, uh, you can actually go down to where it says uh, labels, and if you go down to the Fs, for field judging elk, there's actually 35 posts that I've done on field judging elk, and there's a lot of videos, um, there's a lot of pictures, there's a lot of diagrams, and pretty intricate, detailed uh, information on field judging elk. And it's Dad, let's hold up. If you guys listening, if you guys haven't been to Jay's blog, and and he's being you know very gracious and how he says that it's the best information that's out there um as far as field judging and, and i'm not going to pull any punches here uh, you know um what i know of jay and, and one of the things that everybody talks about that's around me is jay's field judging with regards to desert bighorn sheep and, and elk hunting he provides huge value um to to anybody that that wants to get better that's that's one of the things that have always drawn me to you as a person is is i mean you got images you got videos you got articles that you wrote for elk hunter and western hunter included in here but it's it's the total deal um and and it really really if you're wanting to get better at field judging and you want to you need to look at pictures you need to look at video you need to you know outside of actually doing it and having the experiences uh, of doing it over and over again um, this is the best thing to, to learn for that, that guy that doesn't, you know, get, get an archery elk tag every year and doesn't get time to spend in the woods every year. Um, it, it helps. And I know there's a lot of guys out there, they won't admit it, but there's a lot of guys out there that uh, look at this stuff and, and they, Jay gives them value as well. So. Well, I appreciate that. One of the things, you know, over the years, I, I have received a few negative criticisms of someone that only is about score and only is about the numbers. And my response to a lot of that is, well, you really don't know me. Uh, what you see on my blog as detailed and uh, 
you know, as thorough as I try and be, I'm, I'm that same way when I've got my own tag or if I'm guiding. But this field judging and scoring stuff basically stemmed from me wanting to learn. And most importantly, in all of my hunting and, and guiding, I want to be accurate. And I'm not a fan of fish stories. I, while I like hearing fish stories, I don't like hearing, you know, this fish was, you know, this big and some guy's arms are as wide as, you know, 45-inch trout. I, I'm one that likes to say, no, it was really 16. It goes the same way into my hunting with the coos deer and the mule deer and the sheep and, and the elk and such where, you know, I want to know what that animal scores so that when I'm trying to evaluate for my own tag or for someone that I'm guiding, I can be as close and as accurate as I can. So am I a numbers guy? Yes. Do I feel that numbers and scoring is, is that why I hunt? Absolutely not. But I don't, I'm of the opinion that I want to be as accurate as possible. I don't want to make mistakes. And do I make mistakes? Every day. Do I misjudge animals? All the time. But by, I have learned a lot by providing a lot of these resources and diving into the numbers. When Dara and I are looking at an animal, we go back and forth and bounce back and forth with each other. Um, Dar, my guiding partner, and, you know, sometimes he's right, sometimes I'm right. Sometimes we're both wrong. But I feel like as analytical as you can get, it just makes you better. Absolutely, it does. And, it, yeah, I, it, anybody that, uh, uh, you know my thoughts on trophy hunting and admitting that I'm a trophy hunter and that, that this stuff absolutely makes you better. And, and, you know, anybody that puts in for an antler antlered species or a horned species um I, I i think you're a trophy hunter um i don't care how you cut it how you say it i'm not talking about the trophy hunter that just cuts the head off and leaves all the meat i'm talking about you desire antlers you desire horns to what degree we can all have arguments on that but and big ones and big ones. <laughs> if you have i always use the analogy if there's a 30 inch buck mule deer and a two-point standing next to each other and you elect to shoot the 30-inch buck, you cannot argue that you're not a trophy hunter. To what degree, we can argue all day long. But regardless of that, we're talking about field judging elk and, and uh, you know, getting better and uh, trying to be as accurately uh, accurate as we can. I think one of the things that, you know, that I've really learned from you is, is in the guiding world is 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 making sure you're credible um and it's it's one thing it's it it's disappointing when it's your own hunt um if you misjudge an animal um not because that's the only thing you hunt for but just because again you want to be accurate you it, it's another well and you're setting a benchmark it's another that, yes you know. it's another aspect of the score it's another thing when you do it for a paying client somebody that's you know doesn't maybe have the knowledge or the time and and they say, hey, you know, I'd like to kill a 350 or I'd like to kill a 380 or I'd like to kill a 300. Um, you you want to do right by them. You want, you want to make sure you want to feel good that you're doing your job. You know, it's no different than a contractor do, building a house or whatever else. You just want to make sure you do do your job. And 
one of the things that I've found that it seems like, you know, and, and we get a little off topic, but with, with, with judging and, and a lot of people uh, that, that just go, clients or even just hunters out there that talk about 400 inch, 370, 380, 350, they really don't realize, and we're going to get into that, about there's only small differences that they really uh, add up to those different type of bulls um, within, you know, measuring a, a bull. There, there really only is small differences. And that, you know, I've always been like, oh, why, you know, I don't really have to get my animals scored or whatnot. But it is, after I've seen the way stuff is marketed in the guiding world, um, and just the everyday Joe Blow saying this is a 400 inch. I think our numbers are really inflated high, and uh, well, and we want to yeah. be accurate, you know. And yeah, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. To me, credibility is is absolutely paramount. It's number one. I I I don't ever want to be known as someone that is not credible, and that has made me dive into field judging and trying to be accurate. Yes. And since we're on that topic, I, I'm going to throw this out there that, you know, the fish stories and the inflated numbers and the unofficial, non-official, official scores, yeah, it's got to stop. I mean, uh, from from across all aspects of hunting, in my opinion, there's nothing that makes me more sick than looking at a hundred and 80 inch deer and having someone write 199 and two eights when you know that it's not even close. So, you know, am yeah. I calling out the guiding world and industry? Maybe, but the reality is we're all hunters, but let's just be accurate guys. If, if, if you get an animal officially scored, then be happy with the official score, even if it's not as high as the score that you thought it was. Don't go searching out other official scores and, you know, have it scored six or seven times until you get the score you like. The, these systems are put in place, Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young and SEI scores, although I think some, there's a big variance in some of them, if you take your animals to a someone and they a, one person always scores your animals, why would you take an animal to someone else just to get a higher score? We're kind of gotten off topic, but the point is credibility and just whatever it is, call it what it is. And that's what led you remember, me to... Do you remember when a 350 bull was cool? Do you remember yeah, that? I do. <laughs> and it's still big, you know, but... Yeah, but I, I just, you know, if it's 352, it's 352. Don't call it 360. Yeah. If it's 110-inch coos, don't call it 116. Just call it what it is. Yeah. Because we all, as hunters, use these scoring systems, and we see a picture on Facebook or on Instagram, and it says 199, or it says, you know, 404. Well, it would be nice if people were accurate then it would be it would be educational to go oh that one's 404 and that one's 360 but when there some of these photos are off by 20 inches or 30 inches you know you're really misleading and 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 that's the, you and, can't you can't 
for you know taking this into the field judging topic, you can't you can't accurately get better off off of field judging or or uh, trying to educate yourself off dead photos because there's too many different lenses, there's too many different angles and body sizes, and so if you're trying to you know what you're saying is when somebody puts a photo up there you know that's says it's a 210 inch buck and it's really you know a 185 inch buck um you you can't that's my dog i was gonna <laughs> say it sounded like a, a cat fight yeah, or a she's, dog fight she's, in your she's wanting she's wanting to play this morning man she's all i'm the only one here and she's wanting to play with me she's only eight months old but anyway you can't if you're listening you can't don't even look at those images to try to get better at field judging and i would take you know, unless there's official score sheet myself, um, I would take every score with a grain of salt um, because you don't, I mean, it just is what it is. Um, guides have learned that, you know, to market scores and, and inflate numbers and, you know, and, 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 you know, that's why a lot of times with exclusive pursuit outfitters, you know, with our marketing stuff, we don't even put scores. Um, if we do get an official score, we'll blog about it maybe post it up. Um, we just, we, you know, if somebody asks, then we'll say, um, you know, but we just let the animal speak for itself um, and, and go from there. But, you know, uh, let's try to get back on field judging because you and I all ramble about this all day. Yeah. So is, does Cujo need a bone or what? Oh, she is. Yeah. One, one second. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> She's using my, let me feed her. <laughs> Okay, Craig, so getting into field judging elk, uh, we've already talked about they can go on, uh, listeners can go on jscottoutdoors.com, go down to the lower right, uh, click on field judging elk, all 35 posts will come up, um, and there's a lot of details there. I want to talk about a few things, and one of them is first impressions. To me, uh, when either if I'm up on a hill glassing through my binoculars or spotting scope or in the field calling a bull and a bull comes in or I first see a bull, first impressions to me mean a lot. And one of the things that I like to do is I try and take the emotion out of it. Um, you know, if it's my tag and, you know, I'm excited, uh, it it's hard for me, but I try and take the emotion out of it. And what I try and do is immediately look for weaknesses. So I've trained myself when I glass up a bull, I immediately, I'm trying to size up what are his weaknesses. I'm looking at his body size. I'm trying to age him and maybe not specifically, you know, he's a five-year-old or he's a six-year-old, but I'm trying to say, is his body mature? Is he, you know, is he a young bull or is he an old bull? Because a lot of times the young bulls can look big at first impressions and then you realize that maybe they're, you know, 150, 200 pounds smaller than a big old mature bull. So I'm looking and very first things are I'm trying to say, what is this bull? And then I start looking, okay, is he a six point? And, you know, most of the time I look for the fourth point and then look where the main beam usually on most elk kind of gives that curve and creates that whale tail. 
So you've got your fourth and your fifth. And for me, I lo- I like big backs. I I just I like big backs on bulls. And isn't there a song? There's a song. I like big backs. It's not big backs. I like big butts. <laughs> um, it's a mix a lot. But but that's what I you know my first impression is okay and then I start trying to categorize the bull is this a three hundred bull is this three thirty bull is this a three fifty bull you know um, I don't know what you do but that's what I do when I first see an elk I try and categorize it get kind of an idea of age class of what I'm looking at yeah I I'm the same way I I, I try to. It all depends on time, you know. If I'm if I'm if we're talking about scouting um, and getting up and glassing or, or seeing a bull, um, I, I obviously if it's quick and whatnot, it's going to be all air judging. Um, it's going to be you know 300, 350, 370 to 380. You know, 400. Very rarely do I throw that ever out there. Um, but it, it really. For me, it depends on time. What you know, first off, what what how I'm going to go about breaking down a bull, um, and and you know, if I'm setting up classing for for bulls, um, and, and I see something that just sticks out, whether I'm you know combing and then I and I you know catch a bull and he he's got some characteristics or or his frame. I look at his frame, I guess, width and length of the main beams first and then you know I, I'm attracted to mass big back ends always draw my eyes um, and you know it depends on time if you see something that looks really big that I need to stare out for a little while longer with the glass then then I do um, if, if he's something that I, I really can't tell or whatnot or if it's early in the you know glassing period um, I might just note him you know try to see you know if tree wise if is he going to get in the trees on me before I can get a look or or get video or pictures of him and then go on and, and continue glassing cuz I want to you know for lack of a better term savor the moment and and glass as many bulls as I can that morning from that point or looking up or what however I may be doing it while that and, and out in the open which, yeah and what you mean by that is you're you're classifying and categorizing bulls trying to do it as quickly as possible because in the mornings and in the evenings, a lot of times you only have a short period of time before they get out of the opens into the trees where you can't analyze them and look at them enough. I think what we've been talking about here, first impressions and what have you, is kind of the air judging method of scoring. And honestly, uh, I think a lot of people use air judging and, 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 you know, they'll see a bull for 10 seconds and they'll say that was a 350 bull. Yep. Well, what they're doing is they're air judging and they're kind of throwing it into a class or category. I think one, and I do that all the time, you do that all the time, but I think the other methods of scoring become more precise yes. and but I think it's important to become fairly accurate at air judging and being able to quickly categorize. And I think, you know, we, we talked about this morning before we were on the air, um, you, you know, one of your favorite things uh, to categorize is digiscoping. Yeah. And I can remember, 
you know, the first digiscoping that I did was holding my little point-and-shoot camera up to my binoculars that were on my tripod or up to my spotting scope, just trying to capture an image of that animal. And what, how that has evolved over some time and some years is now we have incredible digiscoping adapters. You know, the Outdoorsman's makes a real easy one for your iPhone um, uh, with, with great adapters for either binoculars or spotting scopes. Um, and then, you know, I use the Swarovski Optic uh, TLS APO adapter, and it's actually allowed us um, as hunters to get professional quality images. Maybe not images you would sell, yeah. but certainly be able to uh, elevate our field judging, um, I mean, when Dara and I started really capturing digiscoping images, our our scoring and field judging uh, went up, you know, significantly because of this. We could bring the photo or the video back and each of us analyze it and look at it. And maybe what my first impression was, Dar's first impression would be something totally different or Jay, you're a little off, or I think you're high, or you're low. Yeah. And so I think it's important for people to get good at air judging. I think it's important for people to categorize bulls, but I think it's also important that um, to come back with a image, a video image, a, a, a photo image, where they can email it to friends of theirs, or even if they just want to look at it themselves. They can go, well, I didn't realize he didn't even have third points or they're only three inches long. When a bull's got, you know, big back end, you, your air judges is like, oh, that's a 350 bull. And then when you look at the image later, when you take the emotion out of it, you go, oh, I didn't realize he's got short stubby fronts that, you know, point straight out. Yeah, if, you know, going, you know, obviously air judging is what, you know, we all use. And getting accurate at that is is critical to, to it's more of a time saver. You know, you have to do it quickly and, and you want to be accurate. Going to the digiscoping stuff, I, I think there's a lot of people out there they they don't get it. Like they don't get that that to me, field judging uh any any species, um, that if I don't have pictures or video, I do not feel comfortable. I don't. Um, and I do not feel comfortable with everything that I see because sometimes I get amped up or a lot of times I'm just going to, you know, when I glass something up, I'm like, Oh, oh that's a uh, big son of a gun, you know? And, and I talk myself down, same thing you're talking about. You talk yourself down, you start looking at them, seeing them in the field is, is number one, but the actual, in my mind, the new number one is seeing them in the field having video and images to where you can come back out of that environment and you have Google, you have J. Scott Outdoors, you have Oricon, you have, you know, all these different, you, you have all these different images and videos that you can go over, not to mention all your stuff that you have. You have buddies. Um, be careful who you send it to. Um, <laughs> um, but, but you can really analyze it. And, and you know, you and I have gone through this where, you know, you either didn't think an animal was that big or I didn't think an animal impressed us. The one that actually looks at the animal in the field and looks at the video is the one 
and has the most experience is the one that I'm going to lean towards that opinion, um, their opinion holding holding the most weight because, uh, you know, sometimes angles and cameras and depending on how close you are, how how uh, how much vignetting is in, in the image, um, you know, distance, time of day can really change things. Not as, not you know, not as much well, with not elk, but, but definitely with other species it does, you know. Yeah, and not only that, I mean, um, you know, body placement is the animal, you know, walking away from you as he walking towards you. Yes. You know, one of the things that Dara and I like to, you know, ever since we started digiscoping, even when it was just holding the camera and getting, you know, moving, you know, not very good video, but we would always try and get a image. And, and we, you know, we'd talk to each other, did you get it on video? Did yep. you get a picture? Yes, I did. No, I didn't. I mean, just getting some image so you could re-verify what your error judge, what your initial first impression was, uh, is so important. And I think that's, you know, really, really helped me become a better field judger. And I think another thing that's helped me is I love to score animals, or excuse me, score antlers that I find or... I'm constantly, I always have, I don't always, during hunting season when I'm in elk camp or whatever, I usually always have a tape in my pocket. Critics would say, oh, you're all about score. No, I'm all about becoming accurate. And I like to put a tape on, if I come across an antler, I tape it. Why? Because I'm training myself to know what a 16-inch brow tine looks like, to know what a 20-inch fourth point looks like to know what a 52-inch main beam is. And the more antlers that you can put your hands on and score, the better you will become at field judging. I, I think it's um, it, it's a huge part of my success of being accurate and getting better each day at being accurate is, is measuring antlers. I mean, there's there's a lot of people that call out numbers all the time that have – they don't even know if a 13-inch G1 is good or if a 23-inch G1 is good, you know, and, and they just air judge um, and call it out there. I think most of the people that are probably listening, you know, have some sort of sense of what is what is a good uh, G1 or what is a good G2, what does that area typically hold. I think that's that's what you're getting at is, and I'm I'm the same way with, you know, I love the tape things. Um, I know Boone and Crockett has, um, I know they do for antelope. I think they do for elk. They have, you know, the average in a, in a breakdown, they have the average of a, of a, of a Boone and Crockett entry level animal, um, what the average time length is or, or mass measurements is. And, and yeah, then speaking, that's a good basis to start from, you know, and speaking of that, Craig, um, I had done an article for Elk Hunter magazine, and I, I broke down some average measurements. Um, so they're examples based on a standard six by six frame, and you can find this chart on my website. Um, on let's see, uh, July eleventh, two thousand twelve, uh, there is a chart, and for for those of you out there listening, this is based on an average six by six frame. A 300 to 310 bull 
Average inside spread. Now this is just a rough kind of chart, 35 inches. Main beam length per side, 45 inches. Mass per side, 25 inches. Point length per point, 13. Point length per side, 65. Gives you a total of a 305 bull. A 320 to 330 bull inside spread is 37 inches. Main beam length per side is 47. Mass per side is 27. Point length per point, 14 inches. Point length per side is 70 inches. Total, 325 bull. Now, one thing that I need to point out is these are just averages. This is just a chart that you could take with you. And if you're looking at a bull and you're, you've scored some elk antlers and you say, oh, he's got like, you know, 14-inch points, you can look down at your chart and say per point length, 14-inch, he's probably in the 325 range. Well, if he has extra short main beams or extra long main beams or he's heavy or he's, 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 he's thin, maybe it's, you know, one way or another. But this is a good chart to use. And I think by pointing out this chart, one thing I need to mention, in my mind, the most important thing when, when finding a high-scoring bull is time length. Mm -hmm. Time length makes up about 45% of your score. Main beam makes up about 28% of your score, mass 16, and spread is 11. So when I'm field judging an elk and I'm looking for big elk, the first thing that I'm looking for is long points because very rarely can you have a high-scoring bull that doesn't have long points. There are a few exceptions to the rule, but long points and long main beams usually equal a big bull. Mm -hmm. People talk about a spread of a mule deer or a spread, you know, spread of an elk. Spread on an elk is not a big percentage of your score. Now, that can be deceiving because you can look at a bull and think he's a 350 bull. And, you know, usually a, a, a 350 bull, you know, if you're looking at, at average, you know, spread, you're about 38 inches. But let's say he's a 50-inch bull. That's 12 inches. So you're now looking at a 362 bull. So with 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 point length, main beam, uh, mass and spread. The one thing I will say is you've got to watch those real wide bulls because, you know, they will have your average point length that, that, you know, for a 350 type bull, but you've got to watch those, those wide, wide, wide bulls because they can actually jump you into a whole nother category before you even know it. Yeah. My wife loves wide bulls. I'm sitting here looking at this bull that Dar's hunter killed um, with speaking of long times. Um, I think he went 401. Um, gross. It, that's the typical bull, uh, six by six, uh, Tim Allen's bull. Yes, I would. Yes, say. Tim Allen's bull. I'm looking at that bull, and I'm just gonna go out, call out air judging right now. I'm looking at that bull, and when I look at this bull, I do not see 401 air judging. I do not see 401 air judging. I don't know how, how you, and, and a lot of guys, I think too, I know for me, I like bulls that turn down on their main beams and those type of bulls, you know, for me personally, you know, 
it just depends. You know, if I see a bull like that, if he's 380 and there's a bull that's 400 inches, um, it depends on what I want to shoot. What a but a bull that his beam is turned down really hard in the back, it's going to be really hard for me personally to pass. You know, so looking at Tim Allen's bull, um, I look at it just. And, and by the way, by the way, that's on the June 11th or July 11th, 2012 post. Uh, for those of you that are listening that want to also log on and check out what Craig's talking about, go ahead, Craig. Yeah, and, and, and you just look at this bull, and his, his left side turns up, and his right side just is kind of lazy. Um, uh, I call those kind of lazy beams. They they don't. They don't really do a whole lot. His right side turns down a little bit. But then, you know, I'm sure you get to looking at this bull's, his his fronts, um, his G1s and G2s, um, his bez and brows, some people call them. Um, you, you start adding up the inches. He's not overly wide. He's got a lot of curve to his top end that makes his top end, in my opinion, doesn't, it doesn't, really show how big his top end actually is because it kind of curves in. So the angle, you know, versus a bull that his, his back end, his points come straight off his horn. They look bigger. His curvature and how it lays in to me makes him look deceiving. And it's just, and I was reading this and thinking about this bull and seeing this bull. And when I first air judged him, I was thinking, oh man, that's a 370 bull. You know, and I, it just goes to show you, you know, I was off by, by 30, 30 inches, you know. Yeah. And, and I think even Dar would say, um, you know, he knew it was a big bull, but one of the things that blew them away was the body size. You yeah. know, Dar, Dar said it had a giant body. And I think, um, when you're making your first impression, you know, body size, if, if he's standing in a field with, you know, five or six other bulls, and he's a he's a Goliath. He's a giant, you know, giant bull. Um, then you have to realize that his antlers are actually going to look smaller on his head uh, than if that was over on the you know five year old bull. That's a young bodied, sleek, you know, sleek kind of neck, sleek down, you know, uh, bull kind of starting to get into his into his you know starting into his prime. The, the, this set of antlers is going to look gigantic on you know a smaller body um i think speaking specifically about tim allen's bull i i I was not there um i was over in unit 23 dar was in unit 10 um you know the main beams on this bull are dang near 60 inches yeah and that that brings up the point of point length is number one if you if you take all the big bulls typically um, long points is number one, main beams is number two. And, but if you have extra long main beams, that can throw you off a little bit or extra short main beams. Um, big time, uh, big time. You know, I, I remember Michael Parks bull that same year in 2009, you know, scored 435 and, uh, off of memory, you know, his, his beams, I want to say we're only 53 inches, 52, 53 inches, but he had tons of point length. Or even like uh, Mike Gallo's um, giant uh, bull that uh, uh, Jay and Chad and 
those the A3 guys, um, they're you know probably 475 inch bull. I want to say his beams weren't even 50 inches, but he had points galore. Mm-hmm. So long points, and while we're talking about that, extra points. Um, points in my in my book when field judging are everything. Uh, point link is the single most important ingredient for a bull to score high. Uh, if if you have an abnormal point, an extra point, you're just adding inches in your point point length category. So if you're looking at a six by six bull or a seven by seven bull or an eight by eight, every time you get more than the standard six point frame, you know a seven by seven, even if his uh, uh, G sixes are only you know eight inches long and they look short on the frame that's 16 inches of extra that you get to throw in your point link category and so you know speaking in general extra points mean a lot yeah i i typically and you can answer this question but when i feel judge um specific i mean unless you just have a ton of time um I'll, I'll I'll try to net a bull out, but most of the time, especially if it's in the field, you know, let's say on a hunt, my dog just opened my door. Um, when it's on when it's on an actual hunt, let's say a hunt scenario, you know, I'm gonna I'm not factoring in the net score. I'm adding up what I can add up and trying to get the gross score um, because you start factoring in, you know, two inches here, three inches there, and so with extra tines. You know, I like, you know, personally, I don't, I don't care. Anytime a bull breaks, you know, 380 is a giant, but it breaks 400 with extra points, then that's all fine and dandy. It just depends, you know, a lot of times with what the hunter wants as well. But most of the time, you don't have the time to actually net a bull up Would you in a hunting scenario. Would you say that? True. I agree. I mean, when you're netting a bull up, that's when you're using your digiscoping photos and images and video to help you break down and 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 estimate the actual measurements of each point. And um, I think we're going to cover, you know, estimating the actual measurements. And then I have a magic number estimating the shortest points uh, uh, tactics uh, methods that I use to field judge. We're going to cover those in the next uh, field judging episode. Um, but I think it's, I, I think it's important to get a good solid gross score, not worry about the net so much mm-hmm. until you go back and review and analyze, uh, your digiscoping photos. Um, Craig, I think, I think one thing I want to point out too, is that, you know, Craig and I live in Arizona and we're fortunate to be around a lot of big bulls. But I want the listeners out there that are trying to learn how to field judge, and maybe the, their area doesn't have big bulls. They're in a state that, you know, the biggest bull may be 330 inches or 300 inches. You can still learn how to field judge. What you need to do is study and analyze bulls that are killed in your area and know specifically what the average point length the average mass, the average spread, because across the country, you know, body sizes differ, 
Um, you know, sometimes in a unit, a six point is a trophy and, and there's, you know, a lot of four and five points and young bulls, but they just don't get to be six points. So I, I want to make sure in this series of, of podcasts where we're talking about field judging elk, I don't want you guys to think we're just talking about, you know, giant bulls over, you know, 350 inches. I kind of want to cover it all. Um, but some of these same characteristics and, and things that I'm talking about um, work on a 300 bull or a 400 bull. Yeah, it's just scale. It's just slide the scale down. You know, there's there's uh, no, uh, like you were just saying, you know, we're, we're blessed to live in Arizona and, you know, I mean, then you go to the Indian reservations and, you know, that's, that's like a wildlife park. I mean, just giant bulls and, and there, and, and just on the public side, we're blessed and not, not all units in Arizona are the same either. You know, some units in Arizona, 350 is a tank, you know, um, and, and I know in some States that, you know, over the counter hunt, it, it, like you said, Jay, it might be a six point is just a hell of a bull. Um, and it's nothing to be ashamed of and, and inches doesn't measure your, your skill level as a hunter, but you know, we're just really, really blessed to be able to hunt some of the biggest animals or elk, um, in the world, um, or, or guide for them. And, um, so that's why we, you know, talk about this stuff, you know? Well, and I think it's, you know, I think everybody that hunts classifies and categorizes their, their animals that they're hunting. You know, uh, guys that are hunting in states where the, maybe the bulls are smaller, you know, maybe a 350 bull is just the benchmark bull that, you know, there's only, you know, a couple a year get shot over 350. They're still, whether they're categorizing bulls as a, you know, 260, a, you know, a Pope and Young minimum type bull, uh, a, a 280 or a 300, um, it's, I think it's important wherever you hunt, uh, if, if trying to be accurate and telling, you know, your, your friends and your buddies and reliving your experiences, you know, being accurate with your field judging is, is, is important. Um, so I think we've covered enough today on this episode. Um, I think we're going to dive in into these uh, future episodes. We'll dive into how to estimate the actual measurements uh, per each point. Um, and, and talking about point length, talking about main beams, talking about inside spread or mass and inside spread, and we'll go in specifically. And then we will also talk about, um, I have kind of a magic number formula that I use where I automatically plug in a spread, I automatically plug in main beams, and then all I do is add up points, and we'll dive into that uh, in the next episode. Um, Craig, I want to thank you for being on this morning and uh, being with us and um, look forward to um, diving in to the next episode and getting into the details of, of estimating actual measurements. All right, man. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. Well, we covered a lot in that episode, part one of Field Judging Elk, and I can't wait to share part two with you guys. I wanted to remind you to sign up for GoHunt.com Insider. And if you sign up, you will receive a free $50 Kuyu uh, gift card. 
so you can buy some Kuyu gear with with uh, just by signing up for the GoHunt.com Insider. There's three easy steps to get the Kuyu $50 card. Visit GoHunt.com forward slash Insider. Click on the blue Join Now button and use the promo code JSCOTT at checkout. You will be sent a $50 Kuyu gift card. I've uh, talked about on previous episodes and I've had Jason Harrison on talking about Kuyu and Dar and I have been using the Kuyu gear for a long time now and this will be a great start for those of you maybe that haven't gotten any Kuyu gear or for, for those of you that love Kuyu here's an extra free $50 Kuyu gift card using the J. Scott promo code guys don't miss out Thanks for listening to the J. Scott Outdoors Western Big Game Hunting and Fishing Podcast brought to you by GoHunt.com Insider. Research faster, hunt more. Go to GoHunt.com forward slash insider and join today.